Professor Brain Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash thevulnerablescientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. Can you tell us more about your research, like um, your PhD? Because you mentioned something to do with jet, jet something engines. Yes, jet um, engines. Yeah. Uh, could you tell us why you are doing that research, like in, in general? Please, All right. Please spare us the jargon. I'm sure you're good with this. <laughs> Yes, now that I'm in unconscious competence zone. Yes. I'll try and I'll try and uh, and I love I'll that you said that. Time. I've never heard about, about that by the way, but I'm glad that you mentioned that. Like why we talk about why scientists are so much <laughs> juggernauts if they say like that. I know because they know they forget that people don't know because mm. you you've spent so much time and you are now you are in a, in that that sweet spot of unconscious competence. Mm. Yeah. So I, I yeah, it's something that I, that that four stages of learning, I've, I've I've appreciated it, and it's every time I feel insecure when I'm learning something new, I I just remind myself, hey Gladys, mm. you are just in the first stage. You will get to unconscious competence. Mm. So anyway, so my PhD, you you asking my PhD. So my PhD in summary, and unconscious I'll... competence. I should write this somewhere. <laughs> I've never yes. heard of. They, I I loved it. I really loved it. They say you start with unconscious incompetence mm. when you don't know. Mm. You don't know. Like yeah. you don't know that you don't know. Don't you, know you, when yes. you talk, people people see you. You're like that's really a stupid idea. But according to you, it's the yes, best. Very, you know. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> I know. Anyway, um, it's really interesting. It's called Abraham Maslow, Four Stages of Learning. Okay. okay. Yeah. So my let me tell you about my PhD. So my I'll, I'll tell you what the PhD was trying to, the gap that we are trying to fill or what we're trying to accomplish. Mm. My, my PhD was, so in an aircraft engine, when you are flying, mm. there is on the, so aircraft engine has a, it has so many components actually, mm-hmm. but on the mechanical side of things, because I was coming from mechanical engineering, it was still me- like mechanical engineering problem. Mm. But uh, in the UK at the University of Oxford, they called it aerospace engineering, mm-hmm. and that's why now I, I I still feel insecure calling myself aerospace engineer. Aerospace I'm, engineer. I feel like I'm mechanical engineer, uh, but the research that I was doing engineer. was in aerospace. Okay. Hmm? Aerospace mechanical engineer. Is this something yes, like that? Yes, that would be good. Okay. That would mm-hmm. be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, my, so my when when you look at aircraft engine, mm. it has so many components, but mechanically speaking, mm. we can classify the engine into four major components. The first component is the fan. The next component is the and I'm starting all these components I'm starting from the open end when you're when you're boarding an aircraft you can see you can see fan 
fan mm-hmm. section like you can see the the open end that's the fan section and then obviously you can't see all the intestines because it has a that cylindrical drum like casing but if you start from the fan you can fan. move on to com- is fan the casing F-A-N. of the is the casing of the aircraft or no, what is the fan no no fan fan is the front part the oh, casing are, are, the, the casing is different the nose okay i don't know if it's the nose the nose, I think, is the end there where it's it's narrower. Okay. Because it's wider and then it, it becomes narrower. But it's found on the front. So on of the, the wider end, uh, on the front, yes, on the front uh, of the engine. When you uh, board an aircraft, uh, if you are using the air airplane stairs, not the not the overpass, uh, you can you can see the engine. You can see the opening. Oh, on the on the, the front wings. Part of it, on the wings. Ah, yes. okay, and it looks the like is, they're normally on the on the wings. Attached oh. to the under the wings. Yeah, and it's uh, I see something like they look like drums. Yeah, like uh, yeah, like inside it's like ah, I wish you could see what I'm doing. <laughs> but whatever, <laughs> whatever see, I yeah? did, you can see the thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you there's the fan under the wings. Mm-hmm. Under the wings is 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 an engine. Sometimes, depending on the size of the aircraft, you can have a pair. You can have uh, two pairs. Mm. You can have two engines so under one wing and then two engines on the other side. But mostly it would be a pair, one engine under mm. one under each wing. Mm-hmm. Now the openings. The, the now it's there is a a, a, bro, a wider end and then there is a narrower end. Mm-hmm. So the on the broader on the wider side, mm. the opening. So there is a casing that kind of it, it, it it's the skin that. The, that cover covers the intestines of the engine, but when okay. you look at the wider side, you can see the fan. It's normally you can see the fan on the on the outside of the of the wider end. Now, if you move from that, you move from the fan, you go to compressor, you go to tu- uh, combustor, mm-hmm. and then you go to turbine, and then you go to nozzle. That's where the the, the narrower end where we expel everything. Mm-hmm. So the process is the simple process is the fan rotates and then it sucks in air. Mm-hmm. The air is compressed in compressor. Mm-hmm. While you are compressing, the volume is reducing from the word compress. When you compress something, you're reducing, mm-hmm. you're shrinking it. You're reducing mm-hmm. the volume. Mm-hmm. In the process of reducing the the volume, mm-hmm. you, the temperature increases. Mm-hmm. It, it it warms up. There is a, a formula of, of 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 that, and then the reason we are compressing, we are mm. preparing it, we are prepping it to be ready for combustion. We mm-hmm. want it to explode. Mm-hmm. It's like a bomb, right? Like mm. you compress air, and then when you when you when you ignite or excite it, it mm. explodes mm-hmm. because the air is trying to escape at mm-hmm. very high at very high velocity, mm-hmm. and that's the whole essence of compressing. Mm-hmm. And then in the combustor, mm. it burns. When it burns, we which is now the next step. Our so we are from the now, fan yeah, to so the fan, compressor, then combustor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the combustor, we actually want it to explode. Mm. And the higher the velocity, the higher the temperature, the better. Mm. You can imagine, right? Like yeah. if you want, like boom. A yeah, bomb. you want the highest. Mm. Yes, you want a, you, That's what you want. You want a bomb. Mm. And then that bomb of air now, like that. The, super pressurized high velocity and high temperature while they are trying to escape the com- combustor mm. we put we put at the downstream of the combustor we have these turbine blades 
there are in a disc like there is a disc and then on the outside of the disc there are these cup cup like uh would i say cup not really cup i'm trying to use i'm trying to to get a nice analogy but they they are like uh, placed on the turbine blades are placed on the on the there is a rim like a, a rim structure and then they are like this turbine blade so when the air is exiting mm. Uh, think of a wind turbine, right? Like those spikes on mm-hmm, the wind turbine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When the air passes, mm. the, 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 the blade is, is, yeah, they move, exactly. Mm. So that's, exa- that's exactly the structure in there. Mm. But obviously the, the blades are smaller in size compared to wind turbine. Mm. Um, now, when, the, when these blades move, they cause rota- rotary motion. So mm. they rotate. Mm. And then uh, that, that rotation... Mm. And so it, it rotates and generates power, mm. and then um, they they exit. Remember, they still at really high pressure, mm. uh, high high velocity, high temperature. Mm. So while they are exiting at the end, at the narrower end, mm. and the end, the narrower end is made purposely to be narrow, mm. so that um, think of a balloon. You, when you blow air in the balloon, mm. when the air is trying to exit from the small end of the balloon, mm. it pushes the balloon backwards. Mm. The the in physics the action force equal to reaction, reaction. force and that's exactly what the engine um, manuf- uh, engine designers wanted that the, when the air at high pressure is trying to exit the the narrower end mm. it's kicking the the engine forward okay and as you can imagine that process has to be continuous mm. so you have to use the fan to continuously suck in air. Mm. And it goes through all that Compress, process, yeah. and then it exits at the at the narrower end, kicking the the engine forward. And before you know it, you are landing in Mombasa from Nairobi. Oh, that's now the problem is mm. the problem is, like I mentioned, people who are designing combustor, mm. they want even us, everyone, everyone, um, everyone doing this, they, we want the we want the combustion to be as to be to be as as powerful as possible. Mm. That means high velocities and high temperatures, mm. especially the temperature bit. Now the problem is the material of the turbine blade, mm. which is lying downstream of the combustor, mm. has a melting point. Mm. And most of the time the melting point is below the temperature of the gases. Now, if you do not do something about that, it's gonna melt mm. and sadly you will not get to your destination. Yeah. And that's where we come in. So my research was looking at how do we make sure that while we receive super high temperatures, mm, from we the are cooling, we are continuously cooling these turbine blades mm. so that we get to our destination. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. That's it. It just felt it just felt like I was defending my thesis. <laughs> It brought up, it brought back memories. Oh my god! In a good way. So you're trying to—that's the the question you're trying to find that answer to, trying to figure Absolutely. out how to cool down to this cool. the blades so that they don't the melt, so they don't melt. And I have to say that from 1940s, mm. this question came up that time, mm. and people have been researching ways of cooling those blades from that time. But as you can imagine, like every 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 decade, every year, mm. every month, 
people come up with different ideas on how we can make it better just like anything else there is always room for improvement mm, yeah. and i was exploring one way of, of uh, one way of improvement so that means that if we are able to be able to cool this blades then we can increase mm. the temperature and the velocity of the combustion that means higher speed or what does that mean what are Absol- you trying to oh my goodness yeah that's exactly <laughs> it that's exactly you're making it. me feel like I, a I genius think I, i should give you i should give you my research to to pick up from where i left <laughs> because you've just you've just nailed you've just nailed it Okay. So the 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 whole essence is mm. the 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 higher the com- the higher the explosion mm. the better in efficiency right so mm. and when we talk of efficiency mm. when, when you think of efficiency that means for the amount of fuel that you are using today if mm. you make it efficient tomorrow that amount of fuel will take you longer and also when you think about or if you're still going to the same destination A and B mm. if you fix the distance then it means if the engine is efficient you will need less fuel mm. to get there and less fuel means less emissions yeah. and that's the whole point that's yeah. the whole point and hopefully uh, aircraft manufacturers and engine manufacturers can also can also factor that in so that flights and flying can be cheaper oh yeah So sorry yes. uh, I'll still ask you a question that I shouldn't be asking because you we've already got any what you're trying to say but how did the fuel come in here in the combustion no so oh so the fuel is you remember and I love I I really love your questions oh my goodness you're thinking <laughs> like a, you you're thinking just a default researcher always <laughs> looking for gaps and I love it mm and and your question is brilliant okay, uh, so you. the the thing is mm. that you remember um, the continuous cooling that has to happen mm-hmm. for that cooling to happen mm. we are using we are using energy so the energy that the engine is generating mm. part of that energy is used to bring in cooler air to cool the part mm. so assuming assuming you make it super efficient or in a case where it's too efficient that you you almost need zero air then mm. the energy that we could we could be using to cool that energy we could be using to keep moving aircraft forward mm. so the so the, is the instead of cooling yeah so that cooling what it's called what it's, it's what we call penalty or negative it, it, it's the work that we don't want to do it's the what's and i'm looking for the right word is the evil that is unavoidable like you have to do it we don't want to do it for the efficiency's sake mm. because it kills efficiency but we don't have an option we have to do it but we have to do it with the minimum penalty possible hmm. all right um what about your now wait what happened after your phd thanks for that explanation you're really good in explaining these things but you won't go so oh, much in depth <laughs> I feel like an an aerospace mechanical engineer for a short period like for some seconds. Yes. All right. So um what happens And after Sarah, you mm-hmm. Sorry, before I, we go to what happens, mm-hmm. I have uh 10 minutes left. Okay. Is that's fine? Uh no problem. If you have 10 minutes okay. left, we can continue later when I'll just ask you Okay. the four remaining questions that i had in mind later on oh 
we can we can try and squeeze in i can try and um because later it will mm. be too late for you because I'm, I'm going there is something i'm gonna do for about four hours from now which i think will be too, too late for you um we could try how long do you think those questions will take i'll try and simplify i have no idea because I, I wanted to ask okay. you about your postdoc uh journey to the mm. postdoc then your mm-hmm. postdoc research uh that you're doing right now mm-hmm. um the highs and lows that you've experienced mm-hmm. throughout this journey to where you are right now because that's when you've gotten to that point mm-hmm. uh, that you've, you haven't mentioned. Then mm-hmm. uh, I was to ask you next about um, the hobbies that you do mm-hmm. and the, anything else that you'd like to add on top of that. Okay, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, push the other... I'll tell the other guys to um, to wait for me okay <laughs> uh, yes let, let's continue i think i i, I would um, i would love if we could finish because mm. i don't know like what time i'll finish the other things okay great uh so t- tell us take through take us through um your from your phd and getting a postdoc like mm. you then tell us more about the research about that all right so my journey is at in 2018 sec, uh, I was I think I was in my third year mm-hmm. I was starting to think about what next mm-hmm. and I was looking at I was really open to any job and around that time I I found this uh, Schmidt Sands fellowship mm-hmm. and I really loved I loved their mission and what they were trying to accomplish the what they're trying to accomplish is to to mold or promote multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary research. Mm-hmm. And so they give you money, they give you a postdoc money, mm-hmm. and the only thing you have to do mm-hmm. is you have to move outside of your PhD area and try something different. Okay. And at that time, I think I was starting to be, to be a mini expert in aircraft engine cooling, mm-hmm. and I was yearning to learn more. Like I mentioned, I... I still don't feel like I'm an aerospace engineer because I don't know. I, 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 at that time, I knew little about aerospace, just apart from the aircraft engine cooling thing. Mm. So I opened. Um, I was open to the idea of exploring more within aerospace and learning different research areas and different ways that people think about research problems and their solutions. Mm. And so I got the fellowship, and it's the because of the fellowship that now shifted gears mm. and my postdoc research moved from aircraft engine cooling to satellite fuels. Mm-hmm. So the, the, you know, like the, for us to do navigation, GPS, for us to do communication mm-hmm. and all the other remote sensing for us to see deforestation and all these other things on earth. Mm-hmm. There are a number of satellites in orbit that mm-hmm. help, help us to achieve this mission. Mm-hmm. Now, the, these satellites, they need um, not all of them, and and things are also changing. But they they do need fuel mm. to or they need pro- propulsion system mm. to occasionally correct their if they are losing orbit they, mm. to correct to correct that mm. to go back to where they were in the orbit mm. or uh, what we are proposing or what we are in, in seeing happening in the future is because there are more and more satellites going in space. In the future, everyone will be required 
So I think in the past, because there were very few satellites, mm. people would just launch their satellites. They mm. do the mission that they wanted the satellite to do, and mm. they forget about it. And then it will, it's created debris, uh, lots of uh, mm. debris in space, which is not very good. Mm. Now in the future, and there's so many discussions around that and research going on around that, how to first of all mitigate or, or solve the debris issue that we have. And then thinking into the future where there are more and more satellites, like SpaceX alone is launching, I don't know, I think they are, they are planning to launch 4,000 plus Starlink satellites. That's only one company mm. in one country. Now you can imagine more and more companies oh, coming into up. this space, especially from our side of the world, mm. um, the non-spacefaring nations. They are also coming in and they want to launch satellites to do whatever they want the satellite to do for their country or mm. for their people. Mm. So in the future, there are going to be a lot of satellites. And now what we are seeing or what we expect to happen is people, the people launching satellites will be required to remove or dispose their satellites at the end of their mission. Mm. Now we think that the, the, uh, what, what I'm researching is it's, it's a propulsion, particularly chemical propulsion mm. using eco-friendly and sustainable fuels. Mm. Uh, these fuels that we are researching, it's based off candle wax, the normal candle that we light at home. Mm. So that, that wax has some propulsive power mm. and we are exploring or researching that to see if we could maybe use that actually at the end of, mission, at the end of satellite's mission mm. to dispose it. So it's really exciting. I'm really excited about uh, really wow. excited about that. So that's my current postdoctoral research. Do you want to learn about the strategies for enrolling, thriving, and excelling in a PhD program? Dr. Gladys Ngetich has written a book on the PhD journey with lessons from various PhD students across the globe and from her lessons as an ex-Oxford PhD student. Dr. Gladys is now a postdoc researcher at MIT. For you to get a chance to get a free book, post your favorite podcast episode of the Vulnerable Scientist podcast on any social media account and tag the Vulnerable Scientist social media account with the hashtag the Vulnerable Scientist book giveaway. You can now pre-order the book on Amazon or as an ebook on Kindle Cobalt Dahlia ETC. You can get more information on this book on www.gladischepkirui.com/books.